0: Good morning, find your seats. Thank you. Today we're going to be uh, talking again about raising the next generation. So many of us don't really recognize it, depending on where you are demographically, whether you're even uh, even thinking or coherent with that thought. But obviously when you get to be around my age, you definitely think of what's behind you because what's in front of you isn't too many, as many years as what are already behind you. Um, but I want to share with you guys about um, how important it is in this word that the Lord spoke to me. And this word he gave to me last week, it says, in fact, um, Rita's helped me with some of my English, but uh, it's not what you obtain, but it's what you retain. And the way the Lord had given it to me, in fact, I'm going to spin it a little bit. Um, the way the Lord had given it to me, it's not what you obtain but you, it's what you retain. We live in a culture today, we live in a society today that's so ever, ever getting to want to know more, 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 but it retains hardly anything. In fact, I'm gonna give you some staggering statistics um, in a little bit, um, in a few more minutes. But before I do that, I'm gonna give you some characters in the Bible because God actually inspired his word and so that we would understand through character study and through principle study, who God is and who God wants to be in our life. And so I'm going to go through a few characters. The one that we're going to land on is a man named Balaam. And I'll tell you a little bit about him and then we're going to go uh, and then we're going to go on to a couple other characters and some other word study and then we're going to come back to Balaam. But Balaam is a man in that day that did wasn't raised as a Jew. Wasn't you might say he wasn't raised in a church. He wasn't raised in, in a perspective of really knowing and having an intimate relationship with God, but yet he had a relationship with God. In fact, he was what we would call a seer or a prophet. And he was known not only uh, in his own little world, but he was known, you might say, he was like internationally known in that day. In fact, Balak, which will, again, we're not gonna reference much of who he is, but he's a king, and he hires Balaam to curse God's people. Now, um, if you know anything about uh, God's people is that nothing bad can happen to God's people unless they make the wrong choices. No choice of somebody else can bring a bad thing in your life. Only you, only you can bring a bad thing in your own life by your own choices. And we'll get to that in a a few more minutes. But the point of it is, is that this Balaam has a, a, he's a picture, he knows who God is. And then we're gonna find out how he drifted away From God, because he didn't retain God in his knowledge. See, it's not what you obtain; it's not what you attain; it's what you retain in God. In fact, there's a whole chapter in the Book of John that says, "Those that God says what remains, if you remain in Me, if you remain." And so, we live in a a culture that's always learning, always learning, and we're never happy with what we know because we want to because we know that there's something more to know. And that's what we live in. It's not what we retain. In fact, the culture of the hour that Jesus lived in says, look, you need to meditate on these things. And see, God can speak to you in a a sermon. God can speak to you in a song. God can speak to you in a vision and a dream. But today, we won't even sit on that message. What we'll do is, well, what's new? Many, many times I'll ask people and say, what is God speaking to you? And really, they just sit there and go, ah, ah, ah. And the reason is they haven't created a current of hearing God's voice in their heart because their mind is always, always, always learning. Let me tell you something. God talks to the heart. And it's you that's got to slow down the mind to hear God with your heart. And we have a hardened heart today. We have a stubborn heart today. And you know, in times past, it's, it's been a perspective that man has always struggled with, but never as much as today, because we're so learned. Now, one of the wisest men that ever walked on the face of earth, we're not talking about Jesus, we're talking about Solomon. And Solomon had sought God, he says, God, these are your people, and I'm really an uneducated, I'm a person that's not worthy of that that endeavor to lead your people, so I I need wisdom. And so God says, I'm going to give you wisdom. Now, here's the thing that we don't understand, is that he didn't retain God in his knowledge. He attained and obtained all kinds of knowledge, but he didn't retain God in it. And I'll give you a passage in a few more minutes that really explains what I'm talking about. So, in Ecclesiastes, there's, um, and I'm gonna, this is our opening, one of our opening uh, scriptures for today, Ecclesiastes chapter one, two through 18. Solomon wrote this, in fact, it's a book that I don't really like to go to very much, because it's, well, as I read it, you'll understand, it, it seems, seems like everything is vanity and, and, and void and just kind of, just an, it's negative. And I'm not a negative person, I'm a very, person that wants to always lift and be an encourageable person, But it wasn't until I began to understand what God was trying to tell us and trying to tell Solomon in that day, and I'll get to that in a moment. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work underneath the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises, sun sets, then hurries around to see it rise again. The wind blows south, then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the seas, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself, it's all has been done before, nothing underneath the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new, but actually it is old, nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations no one will remember what we are doing now. I, the teacher, verse 12, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to searching for understanding and to explore my wisdom. Everything being done underneath heaven. Notice I want you to catch that, under heaven. That's the key to this message today. He searched for everything that was under heaven, and God says, set your mind on things above. The reason it was meaningless is because his mind was completely consumed and with everything was under heaven, everything that was of this world. I observed everything underneath the sun, and really it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than all any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness to folly, but I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Is that not today? The greater the knowledge we have, it seems that all there is is more sorrow today. Matthew chapter 21, we're going to kind of spin in a different direction, so just, uh, I'll I'll gather, I'll I'll bring it into light in just a few minutes. Matthew 21, verse 18. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. He noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there, there were only leaves. And then he said, may you never bear fruit. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did this fig tree wither so quickly? And then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for everything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. What was Jesus trying to get them to understand? You guys are only mindful. They are looking at the fig tree in a perspective that was under heaven. What Jesus was operating is in another dimension, which is above this earth. He was trying to get them to understand that faith is not of this world. Faith is of a kingdom and a perspective of God himself and God Almighty. It's so hard, though, isn't it? Because we live in this world, and yet Jesus says we're not supposed to be of this world. We receive, in fact, if I look back at how many things I've shared with my kids or even my grandkids, how many things am I always talking about that's of this world? And then when we admire things, isn't it, well, that's a nice outfit you got. Or that's a nice, you know, um, that's a nice new truck that you're driving, or that's a a really new game, a cool game that you're playing, or that's a really nice, you know, that that, that mount on your wall is really, I mean, wow, where did you get, I mean, we're so about obtaining and attaining things of this world. How much time do we really spend with the next generation talking about the things that are really perspective that's about this world, things that God spoke to us about, dreams and visions? And you know, in this, the word of God is always giving the correlation. And it's always bringing that divide of what's of this world and that what's of the kingdom. Point number one, everything we try to obtain in this world or under the sun is really meaningless. Okay? It's really meaningless. We just read that in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 13 through 14. Here's a man who devoted himself to get all of it and found that everything was just meaningless. So let me just share some statistics that are staggering today. I, hopefully, you go, I hope these can help you. So many seek to attain or obtain all this world has to offer. I remember when I was uh, growing up and I wanted to be a, a professional water skier. In fact, there's some names that you'll not remember, but I remember them because they were what I was trying to attain, Mike Siepel and Ron Scarpa. They were the two best barefooters of that day in the time when I was doing it, and, they were, and what they had done was, was magical on their feet. And so what I did is I compared myself to them, and I thought, I can do whatever they can do. And if it was magical on their feet, I could do it. So Mike Siepel jumped off a bridge got it, and went barefoot. So guess what I did? I jumped off a high dive and went barefoot. Ron Scarpa was barefooting backwards, I was barefooting backwards. I was going to do whatever they could do, because my picture of achievement, my picture of success was of this world. That's what it was. It was of this world. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with success when it's brought underneath submission that it's the gift that God gave you to be a success, and you can retain God in that success. But isn't it difficult when we see so many people that don't retain God in success? or retain God in marriage. When they walked down that aisle, they said that we're gonna be what? A covenant together. We retain God in the knowledge, or what we do is we think of as long as she meets my needs and he meets my needs, we're gonna stay together. But we don't retain God in the covenant. We don't retain God in in, in, in even our understanding of what happens in our church setting. Fortune and fame, lust for whatever. Here's Here's some research on the forgetting curve. This is how we struggle with with retention or retaining things, okay? This this is really hard for a pastor. 50% of what you just heard me say, you're gonna lose within the hour. Yeah, I'd like to follow you around. (laughs) 70% within 24 hours. And I don't even wanna tell you about what happens in a week. 90% of the things that I will say or things that are spoken you will not retain. 90% you'll forget. And then we wonder why, because see, God doesn't build on the ever knowledge or the ever learning. God builds on the things that we can retain. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little. That's how God builds upon. And yet, we as a, we as a people, we're never, we don't wanna build on that because we could possibly lose something. Oh my goodness, I gotta get more, 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 more. I'm going to give you some um, stats that are really struggling for teens today. Consumers are online today on average six hours a day. Six hours a day people spend their time, you don't even want to know how much they spend their time in the Bible. More than half of our teens spend too much time on their cell phones, 41% say they overdue on social media. According to Common Common Sense Media, teens spend an average of nine hours a day online compared to what six hours of those that are aged like me. Nine hours. And what does the online do for them? Well, according to the Bible, it makes us ignorant because the Bible says that online media, all it's really meant to do is make you compare yourself. All you do is spend that online social media going over there, and compare, well, I don't look as pretty, I'm not, I'm not as in shape, I don't have as much money, I don't have that car, I don't have that house, I don't have that skill, I don't have that sport athlete, I don't have that academia, I don't have, I don't, I, 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 I don't have. Social media literally programs us to be the point where all we do is compare himself, and I love what 2 Corinthians 10 says, he who compares himself among himself is foolish. So we're creating a culture, People, the, our teens are spending nine hours a day to be fools. And we're not stopping it. We're not helping it. Try to take that thing away from them and see what, how they react. In a study examining the link between Facebook and depression, researchers found that frequent Facebook users often compare themselves with others, which leads to overthinking and rumination. Therefore, this in turn leads to feeling of depression. Teens tend to compare themselves to their peers frequently, both in real life and online, negatively impact their self-esteem. Number two, meaning of life is found in your new life in Christ's kingdom thinking. The true meaning of life is not found in this world. It's not going to be found on social media. It's going to be found by your creator. The one that's not, you know what, the one that's not of this world, not under the sun, the one that created the sun, the one that's above the sun, the true meaning of life is going to be found in the presence of God. Colossians 3 says that since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ. Number three, God is building an eternal purpose in you. Let go of your temporary one that you're working so hard on. Let go of your temporary one. Now, God doesn't care that I can really, that, you know, that I could attain to a, um, a barefoot status that was competitive. God doesn't care if I'm like, what God cares about is do I retain God in everything I am? And what I remember the struggle because, see, I, I got, before I got saved, that's all I cared about was water skiing. And so I struggled with, with well, should I just throw away all of the water skiing, and, and can I even do it and still love Jesus? Let me tell you something. It's not what's underneath this world that God is solely concerned with. It's where your heart is and where you set your affection on. Do you set your affection? For instance, I remember the Lord specifically telling me, he says, you love your wife more than you love me. I can remember the place and the time in which I was. You, and God, you know, here's the thing that was so beautiful about God in it. God wasn't shaming me. He wasn't mad at me. All he was doing is addressing a problem I had in the affection of my own heart. And he was saying, you need to surrender that, because if you really want a wonderful marriage, then you got to put me, you set your, you got to set your affection on me first, and then I will bring a wonderful marriage in your life. And so I, had a, I remember surrendering that to the Lord. Everything that we have, because everything is, is that we're either going to obtain or attain, or we're going to retain God. And retaining God means He's first and we're second. Number four, man builds through human reasoning, and much information is lost. I just went through the stats. You lose half of it in an hour. You lose 70% of it in 24 hours. You lose 90% of it in a week, and yet all we do is we're constantly trying to learn we're spending our teens are spending nine hours a day trying to learn what they're they're missing and they're gonna and they're losing it as quick as they're getting it and yet god goes isaiah 28 and it's funny how if you study this chapter and we don't have time to go into it but the israelites are they're frustrated with god says why did god talk to us like we're babies because the israelites want to be educated they want they want to aspire they want to be more like the world And, and god says why does he talk to us like babies And this is what he says, Isaiah 29. So who does the Lord think we are? They ask, why does he speak to us like this? Are we little children just recently weaned? He tells us everything over and over. Why? Because we don't, say it with me, retain. We're not a people. Why do you think God wants you to meditate? Because meditation creates an environment of retention. So you can retain God in your understanding how great he is. Why do you think God created worship? It's so that all of a sudden you, you get in the presence of God and that worship brings a retention, a retaining part of God in your life. Why do you think God brought his word? It's so that you can retain God in your understanding of him. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Number five. What you retain or acknowledge about God will lead you toward God or away from God, which means if you struggle retaining who God is in your life, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, I just wanna read Romans chapter one from, with me, all right? Romans chapter one is an alarming passage because when God gave me this word last week, I did not know this passage, or I didn't understand this passage, even used the word retain. It was after God had given me this perspective of this message, then doing my study. Well, I'll just read it to you, it tells it all. Romans 1, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, you're not gonna like what happens afterwards. So because they didn't retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. "...being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they're whisperers, they're backbiters, they're haters of God, they're violent, they're proud, they're boasters, they're inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undeserving, undiscerning, I'm sorry, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving." unmerciful who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them that's an alarming passage because all of that nasty wickedness and many of us we we look at the world and go how bad can the world become let me tell you something it's all because this world doesn't retain so when we took God out of schools we didn't retain who God is in the school and we wonder where the school and the scholastics go. When we didn't when we don't want to hang the 10 commandments in our courtrooms and we wonder where justice will go. When we don't want to when we when you want to take worship out of a church because of covid and we wonder where the church is going to go. We have to retain who God is, and so if you look at it, so many times people struggle with this, and Satan is after the, he's after the acknowledgement of who God is in your life. See, you, you're, there are areas that you won't even be attacked in until it's the word of God that's inside of your heart. For instance, you, 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 all of a sudden you say, you know, I want to experience um, God in a, a, a new way, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to fast Let's say that you're going to fast coffee, and you're a coffee drinker, you're a coffee connoisseur, you're, you're, you're addicted to like Jonathan is, all right? <laughs> okay, so anyway, so you're struggling with drinking and loving coffee, and all of a sudden you go, you know what, God? I want to acknowledge you, and that coffee isn't, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not going to think of coffee first. I'm going to think of you first. There's nothing wrong with drinking coffee. I love coffee. But I want to just acknowledge you, and so you're going over there, and I mean, I mean, you're smelling things, you're, your tongue's wanting to taste things, I mean, the minute you start saying no to that area of your life, all of a sudden your taste buds and your thoughts and everything else go to a whole that tells, you know what, what's happening is, is your body and your systems of this world are trying to take the retention of God in your life. And by fasting, by saying, you know what, God, I'm just going to say you're first when I wake up in the morning. When I early up and I rise up, I will not seek coffee, seek mocha, I'll seek you. And, you know, and again, I think this is a wonderful exercise that all of us should be doing more often in our life so that we can retain God and that God, and, and rem- you know what, you take that one week of fasting coffee or two weeks or whatever it is, I'm going to tell you something, it'll be one of the most wonderful weeks and hardest weeks of your life because you're going to be dying to self and living for him. That's what we're going to do. And that, that moment, that time, and then God goes, we can build on this son. We can build on this daughter. I'm going to express. I'm going to show you things. You thought you were going to go over there and just say no to coffee. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you all the things I'm going to say yes to as we have this exercise. I, I'd like to say it's going to start out in the first hour or two. You'll have that revelation. Not so. Okay, your first hour or two is you're going to whine like a baby. And you're going to be thinking about coffee. You're going to be driving by coffee shops, just going over there and saying, look what I'm saying no to. And you know what? You still haven't retained God. All you're doing is retaining yourself in that moment. But eventually, God got to go over there and say, look, you got past all of the nonsense of it, and you're above. You're not below. You're not, the senses of this world no longer holding you. You now have a God sense. And God says, we can work off this line upon line. Here little, there little. I'm going to build my temple. I'm going to build my ways in your life. I'm going to share with you a person I want to talk about. And because this man, and I shared a little bit about earlier, this man perplexed me in the Bible as I studied him. It's Balaam. And Balaam, uh, again, if you were living at, he would have been, the, you know He would have been superhero personality. In fact, you know, when, if you lived in that day thousands of years ago while Moses and the Israelites were going through the wilderness, Moses would have been someone you talked a lot about. You would have said, whoa, those Israelites and what God's doing. Because all the news was this, this group of people walking across this desert land and they were just winning battles, they, they, weren't, even, they weren't even trained to win, and that, they were, that, that God was leading them, so they'd be talking about God, and they'd be talking about Moses. But there was another gentleman. His name was Balaam, and he wasn't of these people. And he was another person that was heroic. So much so that when Balak was facing this battle of Moses and God's people, he said, I don't even know where else to turn, but I'm gonna to turn to someone who would be comparable to Moses, and it was Balaam. And you know what, again, as I was studying, this is why I love, guys, this is, we live in such a time, you know, that you can, you, if, you're, if you're endless searching and studying and spending time on the media, study the word. Get, type in Balaam and scriptures on Balaam, and all of a sudden look them up. Stuff that used to take me hours and hours of study, you can do in 10 minutes. But the only way that God's going to reveal the truth in it is if you'll take that time to meditate on it. You can sit there and study and study and study, but you won't retain it until you surrender it to God. Let me read some passages about um, this this, uh, gentleman named Balaam. Okay, 2 Peter 2, 15 and 16. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. Jude, chapter one, verse 11. What sorrow awaits, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And and like Korah, they perish in the rebellion. So, So far, we're finding a whole lot about Balaam that wants Money. Revelations 2, 14, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of God, Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. So now let's read about Balaam. So he didn't start there. This is not where this man started this man had a relationship with God. This man saw the things of God. But I'm, again, I'm gonna tell you right now, he didn't, say it with me, retain. Everybody say retain. It is so important that you retain. There, there are many people that, this, you know what, that will happen when we can retain God, then we can face any kind of persecution. But if we don't have the retention of God when you face persecution then you'll deny God in that moment. But when you have the retaining part of God who God is in your life and he's bigger than life in your life. It doesn't matter what goes on in this life. It matters who God is inside of your life. Numbers 22 1 to 13. Then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River across from Jericho. Balak, son of Zippor, the Moabite king, had seen everything the Israelites did. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. The king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, the mob will devour everything in sight like an ox devours grass. So Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Beor, who was living in his native land. Of Pathor, near the Euphrates River. His message said, Look, a vast horde of people has arrived. They cover the face of the earth. They are threatening me. Please come and curse these people to me. Curse these people for me because they are too powerful. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless, and curses fall on any people you curse. Balak's messengers, who were elders of the Moab and Midian, set out with money to pay Balaam to place a curse. They went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. They stay here overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. That night, God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men visiting? And Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. And they cover the face of the earth, Come and curse these people. Then perhaps I will be able to stand up to them and drive them out." But God told Balaam, Do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up, took Balak's officials, go to home. Go on home. The Lord will not let, uh, let me go with you. Where he saw the people of Israel camped. All right, I'm going to read another passage in a minute. All right. So, so we have this man who is known throughout the territories as a man like Moses. In fact, he, this man. Balak is trying to hire that would oppose Moses and his work. And let me tell you something, the work of Moses and God's people is going over the whole face of the land and there's terror across the land because God has done so much with his people. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we as a Christians would rise up and terror would go across the land because God was doing so much greatness with his people, amen? Yes. But what happened in that day and what was going on in this hour was this, is that all of a sudden Balak's terrified because he's underneath the sun. He's thinking of things that are of this world. And Balaam is a man who's of God. In fact, I'm going to read a passage to you, uh, Numbers chapter 24. Now remember, this is Moses who wrote this, okay? Here's Moses' perspective of Balaam. Numbers 24, 2 through 4. Where he saw the people of Israel camp tribe by tribe, then the Spirit of God came upon him, Balaam. And this is the message he delivered. This is the message of Balaam, son of Beor, the message of the man whose eyes see clearly. The message of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who bows down with the eyes wide open. This man saw God. This man heard God. This man walked with God. This man was used and exercised his gift with God. But what he didn't do is say the word with me, retain God in his knowledge. He didn't retain God in his knowledge because he sought riches. More than he thought, he sought the retention of God in his heart an acknowledgement of God. We live in a day where we think that, well, God will just overlook it. God will oversee it. God will don't care. And yet, this man thought the same thing. He says, you know, I can do whatever I please today. God will just, you know, overlook it and I'll just, and not, and not recognize that There's consequences to every decision that are in my life. God will forgive as you seek forgiveness in your heart. But what if you don't seek forgiveness in your heart because your heart just changed for what's in this world? We've got to teach the next generation, especially those that you know God, take time to get in his presence with them. Take time. You know what's going to happen? In fact, I heard this, uh, <laughs> I heard this action analogy this last week. There was a young person that was trying to lead a bunch of young uh, adults, young teens, in the presence of God. Had his eyes shut, worshiping God, kind of feeling God's presence, opened his eyes, and not a teen was in sight. They all took off. You know, for some of us, you know, that might make us want to quit, but for me, that makes me want to dig deeper. It makes me say, God, I got to try harder. Because these kids haven't retained a moment of God's presence. So it's, how does God teach those young people? Line upon line, here a little, there a little. I'll never forget when I tried to have revival happen in my own household. You ever have that one with dad mom? I remember sitting in our living room. We're going to start worshiping God singing. And I'm trying to lead singing. And, you know, and I'm trying to lead a worship time with my kids. And, and I'm leading in prayer. And my kids are all looking at me like, you know what? What the world? I mean, when did John the Baptist come in the house. All right. So and I'm just, and I'm just trying to have this experience. And because what happened is I love God so much. And I was I was getting caught up with that part of it. And I didn't realize that it's here, little. They're little, and it's line upon line, and I was trying to give it all in the Genesis to Revelation experience because I felt guilty, and I felt I had really let them down for so long, and here I am, I'm like, we're gonna, we're gonna, God's, gonna God's gonna make up my me- for my mess. And uh, we didn't have a real worshipful experience. We didn't have a real revival moment. And what happened is, I'll never forget, I thought I was gonna find an answer from the coffee, coffee machine. Because over there, and I, just, I, and I never usually get caught in a daze. I think only twice in my whole, whole life my wife's caught me in a daze where I'm just like looking for answers where there are no answers. And I'm just staring at the coffee machine. I'm not even getting a cup. I'm just staring at it. And I'm just in the circle, and I'm, it's because all my problems are behind me. It's because I can't see them behind me. My kids are over there. My environment's all over there. And my, and my wife puts her hands on my shoulder. She goes, thank you. Keep doing the right thing. Retain it in your heart, line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little. Keep doing the right thing. So we find out that Balaam wanders off. I'm going to read a passage to you, and I don't know if you guys know this, but this is um, a struggle with all of us, and I'm going to end on this one. It's found in Psalms 81. Verse 11, and before I read it, what Balaam did was, um, Balak has said, look, you're blessing the people, you are not, you know, and read it, Numbers 22 to 25, it's a beautiful, wonderful uh, time where God just says, look, an undeserved, Proverbs 26, an undeserved curse cannot find its rest. I have walked out that principle, I don't care what somebody tries to curse my life, if it's undeserved, it can't find its rest in my life. The curse of sickness, the curse of poverty, the curse of unrest, the curse of, you know what, those things can't find rest on my life because they don't deserve to be there because Jesus Christ is the bridge to my redemption, amen? And it will not take place in my life, all right? But here's what happens in Psalms um, 81, and Balak, again, he tried to curse God's people. He couldn't do so. He said, all right, well, they can only bring a curse upon themselves, so he taught them how to have idolatry and adultery. And he taught Balak how to bring seductive women inside the camp so that they would do have these wrong affairs and wrong relationships so they would bring the curse upon themselves. So exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Psalms 81 verse 11. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires. See, many, many of us just think well, if I love God, God won't let me go and, and He won't let me make mistakes and He won't let me get off too far off that. You're wrong. That's not what the Bible says. Okay? In Psalms 81 it says, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me walking in my path. There's not a greater thing that we can do and teach our next generation. There's not a greater thing that we can do, come on in team, than what we can do is take the time to get in God's presence with them. Let's learn how to quiet ourselves. And get in his presence. Let's learn how to make those awkward places. And I I remember that, you know, what I started doing after that is I took my kids out on Fridays. Friday was my day off, out for breakfast. Now I'm gonna start doing my grandkids. Took them out for breakfast. And then before we would go to school, we'd go out for breakfast, but we'd also take a time, go out by the lake or whatever, and we'd quiet ourselves. And I would always ask them this question. How can I be a better dad to you? I didn't ask them, I didn't want them to ask, how can I be a better, and not once did the kid ever ask me, how can I be a better kid to you, dad? Nah, never happened. <laughs> <laughs> never happened. But uh, every single time I asked them, how can I be a better dad to you? And, you know, I don't know if there was ever, in fact, I think almost every answer was, Dad, you're doing great. But it was, what I was doing is giving them an example of humility and teachability. Because, see, I wanted them to learn that the most important thing you can ever have growing up in your character is humility and teachability. And I thought, why not demonstrate it as a father in front of their life? How can I be a better dad? And I make a lot of mistakes yes, Still paying for them, making mistakes. The point is, is that I humble myself. I am a sinner saved by grace. I'm still on the bridge of redemption in my walk. And I say, God, making me a clean heart that knows you. If there be anything offensive in me, Please forgive it, reveal it to me that I may have the honor to ask for forgiveness and honor you and retain how great you are in my life. Please forgive me for those areas that I've offended you. People don't talk about offending God today, they only talk about offending each other. But I am an offense to God in areas, I have hurt God in areas. I can only think about Jesus that time when Peter was denying him. How many times have I denied him in my words or my actions? And Jesus, and that cock crows three times and Jesus looks at Peter, not with with shame or guilt, but with retention in mind. Peter, he told him, he says, when you've denied me, remember me. It wasn't that he wasn't gonna make a mistake. He knew he was going to make a mistake. But will you remember me? And I've learned this. Wisdom is always this. It's not if you can keep yourself from a mistake because you will make them. It's how quickly you can recover. How quickly you can recover from the error of your life. Please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your presence in this house today. I thank you for truth that you desire to reveal in our hearts. Daddy, you love, you have crowned us with a favor and a glory and an opportunity to hear you. God, I'm sorry for those times where I'm too busy with this life or even try to attain or obtain things for you, with you, whatever. All you wanted to do is just have that moment, your father son, or father daughter moment. I know you're here right now and you're talking. Lord, even those that are watching online right now, you're talking to your people because that's who you are. If my people will humble themselves and call out, seek my face, I believe that God's calling you right now. Many of us in this room or or again possibly watching this later or watching it right now. If that's you, you'll know it's you because you'll feel this burning sensation on your heart. And that's the Lord speaking to you because he loves you and He's saying, make your heart right with Him, surrender to Him right now. In this moment, don't wait. In this moment, surrender to Him. If that's you, I want you your head bowed, your eyes shut with acknowledgement, saying that God's speaking to you. Would you raise your hand and say, that's, that's me. He's talking to me right now. that's that you? Anybody here that said that's me? Thank you for that hand. Anybody else say that's me? Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to pray with them right now. Come on, let's all pray together. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, We thank You that You desire to talk to us, and we thank You for talking right now. We thank You that You're talking right now, and we're hearing Your voice. We ask You to forgive us, to show us Your ways, to retain You in our hearts. Here I am, Lord, I surrender in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up, let's worship him. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.